millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello, you're listening to a brand new episode of Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim. And this week, we're bringing you our review of Beast plus covering off all the latest movie and trailer news. I'm Timmy Flan, movie buff. And I'm Lee Livingstone, entertainment journalist. And we love to talk all things movies. And it's time to activate beast mode because we are <laughs> <laughs> we are discussing Idris Elba's new flick about a father and his two teenage daughters who find themselves hunted by a massive rogue lion intent on proving the savannah has but one apex predator. Beast is directed by Baltasar Cormacher, who has directed a film which I absolutely love, Everest, yes. as well as Two Guns. You've seen Everest? Yes, the Jake Gyllenhaal Brilliant. one, yeah? Yes, yes. And the screenplay is by Ryan Engel, based on a story by Jamie Primack Sullivan. Beast stars Idris Elba, Shalto Copley, Ayana Halley, and Leah Jeffries. Now, okay, so you said we need to activate Beast yes. Mode for this episode. So, okay, I have an uh, initial question for you, mm. Lee. Ask away, Tim. Do you love these sorts of films where it's man versus beast? You know, you've got Jaws, you've got all the, you know, Predator. Do you love this genre generally? You know, I generally don't. Ah. But when you think about the fact that in this kind of area of film, you've got like Jurassic Park and all those kind of films, Jaws. I did love those films, definitely. Something about a lion doesn't quite gel with me. Right. (laughs) What, are you not scared enough of lions? Yeah, I mean, maybe they didn't set him up as a villain. Enough, you know, Mm -hmm. there's no teasing out his introduction. We all know lions should be feared. They're the king of the jungle, king of the desert, of course. But where was the manipulation of our senses and our emotions so that when he was introduced, we went, wow, this lion is terrifying. He's coming for us. Did you get that sense? Well, I mean, just to explain to our listener, the film does open with a very similar setup to many of these types of films where there's some hunting Mm. and then an attack. 
And one of the lines is, we've got the whole pride but one after the poachers attack a pride of lions. Mm. Yeah, I mean, maybe there wasn't enough there for me to be feared by this line because we didn't really get to see it until a little later in the film, which often works in this sort of genre when you want to create some sort of anticipation and tension. But it was just like another regular line. He was he was a big boy, yeah. but there wasn't much menacing context set up about this guy. It was just like another line on the loose. Do you think he needed like a scientific mutation or something, that, as is the case in most of these films? But that was maybe a layer to this movie that was missing, <laughs> a mut- mutant lion, big boy. <laughs> Besides the lion stalking this family, the family are grieving and finding their way after the death death of the mother of the family. Mm. So they take a family trip to visit the mother's village in South Africa, looking to reconnect with her heritage and each other. So there's a family drama at the heart of this film. Okay, this might be controversial to throw in knowing that you know it's about this mother who has died and these teenage girls who are struggling through that mm. and their relationship with her father as a result because what you learn is that they separated, she got sick mm. and died and he wasn't there. Yeah. He wasn't there yeah. because they'd separated before. So there's And he's a surgeon or a doctor, so he should yes. have been able to save her apparently. Yeah, absolutely. That's what his daughters think anyway, which by the way, one of them was wearing a Jurassic Park t shirt just to go yes. back to something that you I, said. I you was know. I was gonna say that there's a little Easter egg there for man versus beast film fans. Did you think though that the dead mum subplot was necessary here in the sort of film that it was trying to be? Why did the dead mum conversation have to be a part of this thriller? Because they wanted to make it a deeper story, I guess. Yeah, a bit more human. Do you think they set it up enough? No, not right. I found it, to be honest, I found that whole conversation a bit of a distraction Mm. because this film could have really lent into packing a really big punch and it was. There is a lot of great action Mm. and how it's captured, which we'll talk about later. But when they're trying to humanise the characters too much in that way, I found it pulling like a bit of a tug of war between am I meant to care for these kids because their mum died Mm. or am I meant to be really worried for their safety because there's a big daddy lion out there who wants to eat them up. And you don't think you can do both? I think you can do both. I guess where I'm going with this is it didn't successfully do both. Right, okay. How did you feel about that? Did you believe, did you connect with these characters on that level uh, as a result of this subplot? I didn't connect with the characters all that much, except for Uncle Martin. I did enjoy Uncle Martin. He was cool. Yeah, he is good fun. Played by Shalto Copley, who we've seen in District 9 and Maleficent. Yes, and the A-Team. Yes. He's great in the A-Team. He's great in the A-Team, yeah. So I enjoyed his character. Would have liked to have known more about him. I guess they needed that subplot to further the characters and, you know, I guess at that level that the father and daughters have been torn apart and they've forced together in this life or death situation as a way to reconnect Mm. that need for each other in the most primal way possible, which is survival, life or death survival. Yes. Whether it was needed to answer your question, Mm. maybe not. But would we have complained if it wasn't in there? Okay, you're right. Maybe we would have complained going, there wasn't any substance to these characters. And I'm here going, the substance they were trying to put in these characters didn't quite work. So am I happy? Would I have ever been happy? (laughs) Potentially not. Look, Is there any pleasing you, Tim, when it comes to this film? (laughs) (laughs) No, I had a lot of fun. Let's let's be real. Get into that in a second. But I did understand why they threw it in there. They wanted to create and establish some conflict between the characters to add some emotion, like you mentioned before. Yeah. 
I just found it formulaic and it presented often as cliche some of the lines and and things Mm. that were coming out of the kids' mouths specifically. Yeah, the script was quite on the nose. You know, there's lines Mm. like, they killed his pride, this lion's gone rogue and (laughs) now he's coming after all of us. Very dramatic, Uncle Martin. Don't make a promise you can't keep. It's one of my favourites in the film, which is a classic, absolute classic. That was one of the daughters though, wasn't it? That was quite deep for one of the daughters. Yeah, right. (laughs) What you don't want him to promise to keep you alive and safe? Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) These kind of films, though, always rely on you to suspend your belief. Okay, Mm. so there's a lot of really convenient decisions being made and you wonder why are you hanging near an open window when there's a lion (laughs) trying to get in the car you know (laughs) meanwhile Idris Elba's sneaking around behind the lion like these animals have an amazing sense of smell yes there's no way in hell that it doesn't know Idris Elba's behind him and and you know what Idris Elba probably smells amazing (laughs) so like (sighs) you'd pick that up in an instant right yeah you'd be like ooh. (laughs) Idris Elba is here. Exactly. That's probably why he lusted after them so much, this rogue lion. Yeah. Because uh, Daddy Idris was smelling delicious. Yeah. Look, just to add a Jenga to that, there were so many conveniences, I agree. I, I've listed a few things. They established in context at the beginning, there's no cell phone reception or yes. Wi-Fi. Okay. You have, to, you have to establish that. Yeah. Yes. That they're going to an area of the national park where no tourists go. Okay, good. So there's not going to be many people <laughs> around. They're going to be alone. Check. Yep. They're miles from anywhere. Nice. And then also we're going to just stumble across an abandoned school. Oh, <laughs> no doubt we'll end up there later on. And don't forget, once we walk through the abandoned school, make sure you leave every door open and pull down every window covering as you go. Do you know what? I saw this film with my friend Alyssa, who, believe it or not, is more vocal and physical in reaction to these sorts of films than me, which is saying something because I physically react to jump scares and, and everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you do. And we were having a great time, mainly leaning into the dumb shit these characters were doing, like him kicking the doors open to this building and just leaving them open. Yeah. It just blew my mind. And you said the windows in the car not being rolled up. I'm like, what is going on? Why aren't these people thinking straight? And then from that point at the school, we move into the climax of the film, which we won't give away. I did not buy the climax at all. It seemed really random. Was there a scene missing? Do you feel like it cut from one thing to another really quickly? 100%. I think that's part of it, yes. And and everything from the CGI, and I will say, we'll talk about this later, but the CGI of the lion was actually quite good. I agree. Excellent. But in terms of the climax of the film and how it played out, it just didn't land for me. And then they hit you over the head afterwards with an explanation of what happened and why (laughs) afterwards. I just thought that's a bit on the nose. Yeah. Just to build on that final scene. So this film is very violent. It's very gory and at times quite confronting. So if you are not. Except the climax wasn't bloody or gory. Did you? Oh no. I thought that was incredibly gory and bloody. Okay. Wait, did we watch the same (laughs) climax? I found that rough. I found that within the same cinema echo chamber of uncomfortable viewing as like the revenant and passion of the Christ. Like it was fucking full on. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it didn't land with me like that. Wow, you're a hard ass. (laughs) I'm impressed. I I could I had to look away at times to be perfectly honest with you. Oh really? No. I'm a sensitive soul. I just think I couldn't suspend my disbelief enough. 
to go with it. Sure, uh, absolutely. It is a little bit left of centre as to where it ends up at the end and you either go with it and run with it or you end up sitting back yeah. going, what, what, is, what am I watching? And just based on what we'd already seen up until that point, you would think, oh, see, you can't say much without giving it away, but you would think the climax wouldn't have lasted as long as it did. Right, that is true. Right. That is very true. I know exactly what you mean. Based on what we'd seen previously. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it's like all the characters cry me a river and then what happens at the end, it's like, how is this possible? <laughs> <laughs> but you just got to go with it in these films, don't you? You really do. You, you really, really, do. really do. All right, Lee, let's talk about some of the characters and their supporting performances. What about Idris Elba? He played Dr. Nate Samuels. What did you think of his take on the the saviour of the day, if you will? Well, I mean, who doesn't love anything Idris Elba does? Or smells. He's very enjoyable to watch. Very cool, dude. Do you know that actually his actual daughter auditioned for a role in this film to play his on-screen daughter and she ended up not speaking to him for weeks because the chemistry wasn't right. And I say that in quotes. Oh, my God. Are you serious? Yeah. I was going to joke whether she didn't get the role because their chemistry <laughs> wasn't there. No. That actually he actually happened? said that in an interview, that the chemistry wasn't right. The on-screen chemistry wasn't right. Oh, gosh. That's a little salty, isn't it? Yeah. Or maybe mm. maybe they just love each other too much and they couldn't play that strained father-daughter relationship. Yeah, which was really important. Yeah. Which was really important. I mean, his character, Dr. Nate Samuels, he operates purely on instincts. He's quite flawed and I liked how that played out. He's not the perfect hero. He makes dumb decisions and gets hurt along the way. Mm. He's not the all-knowing hero, if you will, in this movie. He doesn't make the dumbest decisions though. The kids make the dumbest (laughs) decisions. decisions. Like, stay in the car. No, okay. (laughs) (laughs) There's a massive lion coming to get you. Why don't you get out of the car and have a walk around? Yeah, I mean, taking the savannah, the scenery, it's beautiful out there. I mentioned already that I, I really like Shalto Copley, who's been in Maleficent and District 9. He has a really great on-screen presence, especially so in this film. And, um, you know, I like that Uncle Martin cared about the lions, you know. He didn't turn on the Cujo lion when it was going rogue. He, he, he still cared about them. He had the respect, which is this thing, it's man versus predator. And he had that lens of someone because he's a game reserve manager. He's a wildlife mm. biologist as well, his character Martin. And you saw the sorts of respect that you needed to do. And he was a character that a lot of them should have listened to a little harder and faster, (laughs) to be perfectly honest. I think he's great. And he adds a nice layer of comedy and smarts Mm. to every film that he is involved in. And humanity too. He had Mm. a very close relationship with the mother who passed away. They grew up together in the village that they're visiting. Yes, He's great friends with Dr. Nate, uncle to the girls, and just really cares about the animals and fiercely protective of them. And I just enjoyed him as a character immensely. Now the girls are played by Ayana Halley and her character's name is Meredith and Leah Jeffries plays Nora. Mm. Meredith is a bit feisty. She's the one that's really angry at her father. I quite liked her performance in there, despite it leaning into the cliche territory. But she was very much like her mother, an aspiring photographer, which was a nice layer to this film. Yes. For me, anyway, it was cool. Yeah, it was very beautiful. The girls did a fantastic job in this film. Both of them brought wonderful performances. Well, honestly, when you think about it, because we're going to talk about the special effects just after this, they're reacting to not a real lion. They did not use real lions in the making of this film. They were all CGI. So to elicit a performance like they did of terror was uh, excellent and testament to their ability. Yep, 100%. 
Speaking of the lions and the special effects, you mentioned that not one real lion was used in the film except for establishing shots for the filmmakers. And this was filmed on location in South Africa, which is a stunning corner of the world. Beautiful. But because of the area they're in, the filmmakers needed to get really creative with the sets to heighten the tension. Otherwise, you know, let's face it, people are just running around in open African landscape, which isn't very exciting. They did a really good job of creating spaces that were simple, effective and very contained. A lot of the film takes place in and around one car and an abandoned school. Yep. An oasis. An oasis and also a house at the beginning of the movie. So it's very contained mm. and that works really well in this genre to create the tension and the suspense where you're not just running around open fields. It's <laughs> definitely not happening here. Exactly. It would be over very quickly. It would be a very short film Indeed. if they were just running around an open field. But don't forget they were miles from anywhere. Yes. No Wi-Fi, no. no cell phone reception. I did have to laugh. There was one scene. I can't remember if it was near the abandoned school, but I had to really laugh when Nate bumped into a wind chime full of bones. <laughs> Actually, it was near the oasis, I think. Yes, it was, near the waterhole. While he's trying to sneak around this lion. And it was like something out of a slapstick comedy <laughs> that he just bumped into these jangling bones and then, oh, and then they jangle even more while you try to stop them from jangling. Like he's on grandma's porch in Texas <laughs> and the wind chimes just get walked into. There was a guy in the screening that I went to who burst out laughing yes, like it was I did the funniest too. thing he'd, yeah. he'd ever heard. Yeah, <laughs> it, was it, was, it was a little cheesy, a little cheesy. Yes. I mentioned before that the, the movement of the lion and the visual effects around the lion itself was done very well mm. i think they've built that out and made it look fantastic the mane the details in like the scars on the lion and, and the way it moved was just was really convincing i was never unconvinced that it was a lion there that was there to fuck shit up mm. i leapt physically back when it leaped at the car for the first yeah. time i <laughs> my popcorn almost went everywhere <laughs> and my friend uh, lisa literally screamed she literally yep. yelped so, you know, for, for that reason alone, it, it was worth seeing this movie. Do you feel the same way about there's a scene in the film where Uncle Martin interacts with the lions and they play fight with each other? I found that quite believable as well. That looked yes. really, really good, which is why I was surprised when it got to the climax of the film mm. and that just looked really out of place to me. Maybe it was too ambitious to what we had seen in terms of the natural movement interaction with people in the space. Yeah. Because the, we, we keep going back to the climax. I just went with it because it was fucking insane mm. and you got put on the back foot going, "What? Mm. how are we here? This doesn't feel right. I think maybe, I wonder if they animated Idris Elba as well at one point. Ah, you know what? I at think the I beginning. caught some frames that looked like that. Yes. yes. And that pulled me out of it. Yes, it's Uncanny Valley, isn't it? When you can't get the animation right of a human, yes. it's really hard to then pull you back in and convince you. It is notoriously difficult to animate humans mm. too. Yes. It really, really is. Let's talk about the cinematography. We talked about it mm. being a beautiful corner of the world. Oscar-winning director of photography, Felipe Russolo, who's done Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them and a number of other films, did a beautiful job in capturing this landscape and really taking us to South Africa. It added a layer of immersion that you simply would not have received if they had shot and edited the film in a more traditional way. There are a lot of one-take shots oh, in this yes. movie. Oh, yes. 
and also lots of close contact handheld filming that really heightens the tension and the fear and the chaos of the lion attacking. I mean, the lion is always seen from the perspective of the characters. So I felt as trapped as they did because you only see the lion when they see the lion. Mm. It never cuts away to give you a bit of a heads up that it's coming or pan the camera around. No, it's quite often looking over the shoulder of the characters or within very close proximity. And that didn't let you take a breath or a chance to look at the surroundings from a different perspective. That is the best thing about this movie. That is what they got right and they succeeded Mm. was the way that it was shot. I loved it. And you're always scanning the horizon for the rustle or the shadow. Right. Yeah. Yes. That was fantastic. Like re- really, you are actually viscerally involved in that and mm. I was scared. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't take much. It doesn't. It really doesn't. Thanks, Lee. Oh, sorry. On top of these beautiful landscape captured wonderfully on film, you've got composer Stephen Price's score, and he has done Last Night in Soho and Gravity, that space film with uh, George Clooney and Sandra Bullock. And he's brought in notes of traditional music in the softer moments that are really lovely and then lots of drums and raw sounds in the action-packed scenes that really heightened the tension and the action, I feel. Yeah, I mean, when you get the marriage of how a film sounds to how a film looks, Mm. it can absolutely deliver the outcome that you are hoping for. And this movie did in in that sense, visually and and audibly. It was a a bit of a journey. (laughs) A bit of a journey. Shall we wrap up (laughs) this particular journey, Tim, and rate and review Beast? You bet. So Beast is a fight for survival that's also fighting with itself to be both family drama and a big cat and mouse thriller. As a result, it's a mixed bag that doesn't quite gel together, but it is still short, sharp and punchy. The most compelling thing about this film is its cinematography, a visceral and immersive experience that will have you interacting with the action in a way you likely haven't before. It's harmless fun, despite its cliched script, and a tight action thriller that shows how great an action star Idris Elba is. I'm going to rate Beast two and a half popcorn kernels, Lee. Well, Beast delivers on its promise of a fast-paced man versus beast action and all the stereotypes that go with that, including a silly screenplay and plots of convenience that require you to deactivate your brain for one and a half hours. Don't overthink it. Just go with it and you'll have a good time. I'm giving it two and a half popcorn kernels too. Well, there you go. On the same page for Beast, which roars into Australian cinemas from August 25th. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
Before we jump into the news, listeners, we'd like to say a huge thank you to two of our amazing listeners this week, Michelle and Nadine. These lovely humans have very generously bought us a coffee, which we're enjoying right now. We are enjoying Mm, Mm. nummies. Well, in buying us a coffee, you are helping us deliver unique movie insights and fascinating interviews and are helping us to help you decide which movies to spend your hard-earned cash on. You're also helping us reach our goals one coffee at a time as we achieve bigger and bolder things for the podcast. These small and generous gestures reiterate how lucky we are to do what we do. We are so, so grateful to you. And you too can buy us a coffee via the link in the show notes on our website or via the link in our Instagram bio. We really, really appreciate it. Thank you, Michelle and Nadine. Now on with the show. We already knew Margot Robbie was leading the upcoming Ocean's Eleven prequel. But her Barbie co-star, Ryan Gosling, is now reportedly in talks to join her. We still don't know much about the plot, other than it's going to be set in the 60s, follow the same group heist formula, and will have a budget bigger than any of the Steven Soderbergh Oceans films or the Sandra Bullock-led Oceans which we had a couple of years ago. That's very ambitious. And and let's face it, after Barbie is released, we're going to want Robbie and Gosling everything based purely yes. on the limited set footage and pictures that we've seen so far. I just can't wait to see them together. Me too. Bring it on. Well, bring this on or let's see how we feel about it. <laughs> Sam and Victor's Day Off. It's a spin-off from the classic hit film Ferris Bueller's Day Off. That's in the works at Paramount from the creators of popular Karate Kid spin-off series, Cobra Kai. Just on a side note, I love Cobra Kai. Have you watched it? No, I haven't. I know you were a big fan. It's bloody good. It really is bloody okay. good as far as spin-off series go. It's, it's great. So it's in good hands. This is in good hands. Ah, yeah, I feel like it. But Sam and Victor's Day Off will follow the same day adventure of the valets who took the Ferrari on a joyride <laughs> in the original 1986 film. I don't know how I feel about this because they're going to have to recast it. It's not going to be the same actors because sadly one no. of, one of them has passed away. Are they just milking the IP for everything it's worth? And how many people besides, you know, people of my generation are going <laughs> to understand the impact of Ferris Bueller's Day Off? Look, I hope there are plenty of people out there who can appreciate the impact, but is there enough in the characters of Sam and Victor to warrant this spin-off. That too. I don't know. Milking IP for all that it's worth, yes. And we just have to cop it. I'm just going to be interested from afar on this one to see how it shapes out and make a decision later on, potentially. At least it's a unique way to come into this film again. They're not just rehashing and rebooting and remaking it. They're trying to come at it in a different way. Yeah, it's interesting. It's creative Mm. and it's got me curious. Disney Plus, Tim, are going to deliver additional content to subscribers premiering globally on September 8. Get yourselves ready. It's all to celebrate the company's annual Disney Plus Day. The lineup will feature anticipated global premieres from Disney, Pixar, Marvel, Star Wars, National Geographic, The Simpsons, and more, including Thor, Love and Thunder, and the live-action Pinocchio. Gosh, I can't wait for that. Yep. Speaking of the live-action Pinocchio, we got a trailer just today for that, and it looks gorgeous. Honestly, beautiful. Robert Zemeckis is directing the live-action retelling of Pinocchio about a wooden puppet who embarks on an adventure to become a real boy. Tom Hanks stars as Geppetto, the woodcarver who builds Pinocchio, voiced by Benjamin Evan Ainsworth. 
with Joseph Gordon-Levitt as Jiminy Cricket, Cynthia Erivo as the Blue Fairy and Luke Evans as the Coachman. I really, really loved this trailer. Yeah. Robert Zemeckis is one of our favourite filmmakers. Yes. He's a visual master. The thing though, Lee, this movie looks so cinematic. Mm. And look, I will throw this on September 8th at home on Disney+. Plus. And I will lean straight into it. Yeah. I just wish we were getting the big screen treatment yeah. for this one. It's a bit of a shame, isn't it? Yeah, it's begging for it. It's really yeah. begging for it. Lee, Knives Out sequel Glass Onion will release on Netflix globally from December 23, as was announced this week. The film will see Daniel Craig's Benoit Blanc head to a private island in Greece owned by tech billionaire Miles Bourne, played by Edward Norton, to solve, of course, a brand new mystery. The rest of the ensemble cast includes, gosh, I will never get sick of reading this out, Janelle Monae, Catherine Hahn, mm. Leslie Odom Jr., Jessica Henwick, Kate Hudson, Dave Bautista, and Madeline Klein. What an ensemble cast. I love that they found a new cast of thousands to, <laughs> to make yeah, this cast film. of literal thousands. <laughs> we also received a first look at the whodunit with the killer cast sitting at an extravagant dinner table being lectured by Blanc under a stunning chandelier, no doubt revealing how he got to the conclusion of who is the murderer. Indeed, that is exactly what's playing out in the mm. moment. You can just feel it. Well, Lee, let's wrap up our episode this week with some sad DCEU news, mm. as is expected with everything that's going on. So Warner Brothers has pushed Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom and Shazam! Fury of the Gods release dates significantly, which is just another notch on the belt of big sweeping changes across the business since the Discovery-Warner merger. More and more blows to the DC fandom, isn't there? <laughs> Shazam! Fury of the Gods was originally meant to release in cinemas from December 21 this year. It's now been pushed back to March 16, 2023. But the big one is Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom moved from that March date to December 2023. Yeah. It's like a whole nine months. Yeah, huge, huge shift. Massive shift. I mean, what does this mean? Let's speculate for a hot <laughs> minute. <laughs> you know how much I love this. Yeah, I think it just reiterates that they're completely revamping their rollout strategy. Yeah. It seems weird to move films that are already done. Does this mean that they're going to yeah. film some pickups? Maybe. Maybe they want to give some more time to finesse the edit and then offer the opportunity to the director and the creatives to do some reshoots and pickups, like you said. That's what I think. That's what I think. I tell you what, though, they won't dare move Black Adam. The Rock wouldn't have it. Oh, my God. I actually can't imagine. Could you imagine, could you imagine the studio head, like, walking up to Dwayne Johnson and being like, we're going to take another look at your movie? And he'd be like, hell, no, you're not. Okay, sorry, 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 Mr. Johnson, sorry. <laughs> you know what? I'm laughing so much because it's so true. Now, nothing will get past the rock. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> All right, Lee. Well, that wraps it up for another jam-packed episode of Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim. We brought you our take on Idris Elba's Beast. And you can see that beast roar into Australian cinemas from August 25th. As always, friends, thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. If you enjoy our episodes, head over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe. While you're there, we would love you to rate us and leave a review. You can also find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Amazon Alexa, and where all good podcasts are found. Hold up. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.